Welcome to episode six of the Clayton Castle podcast. My name is Clayton Castle, and usually I do an intro with these podcasts, but I'm going to change it up a little this episode and just get right into this conversation. I am so happy to be joined by a very special person in my life. She is my fiance, and she is also a teacher. She is a Christ follower. She's a bunch of other things. But mainly, she is the love of my life. I'd like to welcome in Heather Baker until July 16th. And Almost then Castle. She'll be Heather Castle. <laughs> so thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. How's it feel? We're, we're recording this on Monday. We are four days out. By the time people, <laughs> by the time this drops, we'll be two days out. How, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited. What are you most excited about for marriage or for the wedding? For the or wedding the... or for like getting married? What are you most excited about for <laughs> Friday night? Um, well, I'm excited to see my family that's coming in from out of town. Um, but I'm also excited to hopefully watch you cry when I walk down the aisle. <laughs> You've been hyping that up for a long time. <laughs> well, I hyped it up for a little for a little while, and then your dad told me what he did. No, don't <laughs> talk about this. <laughs> what he did when your mom walked down the aisle, and I'm not gonna say what it is, but let's just say I've not decided which one I'm gonna do yet. Whether I'm gonna do the hilarious thing oh, no. that he did when your mom walked down the aisle or if I'm going to do my thing and cry. I think you'll just cry. You think I'll just cry? Yeah. You'll be so caught up in the moment. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of different things I figured I would talk to Heather about, not just dating me and what that's like because Lord knows that's a whole, that's a part-time job in itself. She is also a teacher and she... When when did you decide you wanted to be a teacher? So I actually wanted to be a teacher when I was little, like in elementary school. Like I have things that say like, when you grow up, what do you want to be? And it says a teacher. But then I found out how much money they made. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually went into college as a journalism major. Um, which is funny because you went into college as a, an education, education major, major and we both switched. Um, well, I went in as an education major and switched to journalism. Yeah. And, and I you went, went in, in as, as journalism, journalism and, and switched <laughs> to education. Um, but I made that switch my like end of my freshman year um, because I did my journalism 101 class and was like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't like that. I had to watch the news all the time to keep up with current events cause we had pop quizzes. And so I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this cause I really got into it for like photojournalism, but Miami didn't have like a specific photojournalism program. Um, so my advisor gave me the book that had all the majors listed in it, and she said, go through the list and highlight the ones that stand out to you, and I landed on education, which I was kind of like, dang it. But throughout the rest of college, I really started to fall in love with it. A lot of people in my family are educators, too, so it just seemed like not the thing to do, but just felt normal to do if that well, makes sense and you hang around teachers yeah a lot all of, my friends are teachers so <laughs> we have six groomsmen and bridesmaids and i counted today four of your bridesmaids mm -hmm. are teachers or were teachers at one point mm -hmm. um what drew you to want to be a teacher like what influenced that decision were, were there teachers 
growing up that really influenced you or really kind of inspired you to go into the field? My hall advisor, because I'm licensed 7 through 12, um, I teach 7th grade. So a lot of people think that I'm licensed 4 through 9, but I'm not. I'm 7 through 12, which is not normal for a 7 through 12 licensed teacher to go with the middle school end. <laughs> Real quick, my favorite thing is when you tell people that you teach seventh grade. Oh my gosh. What's their reaction when you they tell them? They either go, oh, bless you, or they cringe. <laughs> it's, it's one of the two. Well, when we first started talking, that's what I said. I was like, oh Lord, God bless you. You are a saint. Anyway. Um, but I really enjoyed my high school experience. And I had a few teachers along the way who made it enjoyable. Um, one of them was Mrs. Norsworthy. She, um, I actually had her my junior year. It was her first year teaching, and she was just fun. She also was our theater advisor. She was like our thespian advisor. Um, at Monroe High at School. At Monroe High School. She's still there. I, I don't think she's doing thespians anymore, but um, she's, I don't remember what grade she's teaching now, but... When I went to my advisor in college, she made the comment of, I loved college so much that I came back to it. And that just kind of like stuck with me. I was like, well, I liked high school a lot. And freshman Heather was like, I just want to go back to high school world, which now I'm like, that's stupid. Why would I do that? Why did I feel that way? But um, I wanted to give kids the same experience that I had where they enjoyed class and they enjoyed coming to school. Because of their teachers. Because Mrs. Norsworthy was that. What's your favorite thing about teaching now? Not, I don't mean by like now as like this time period, but just like your general, like is there an activity that you do? Is it the kids? Like what? what's the one thing that kind of draws you back year after year? Well, my school is teamed. So there are six teams in our building and each team has two math teachers, two language arts, a science and social studies and usually two intervention specialists. And I just got lucky and have an awesome team. And we get along really well. We're all on the same page about stuff most of the time. And we just gel. And we're there for the kids. And we all are on, on that same page. So I really like that aspect. That was something when I went into my interview, I didn't know was a thing. And was like, that's really nice that I have these people that I can go to for literally anything. Also, like the kids keep me coming back. Because there are a few knuckleheads every year, but by the end of the year, they're the ones that are, like, my favorites. <laughs> so, I do enjoy the kids. I like the really nerdy ones who really enjoy the books that we're reading, and we can have fun conversations about them. Well, in seventh grade, they it's, it's an awkward period in their lives. Oh, they're so awkward. Because that's the year where they're really small in the beginning of the year, and you, as their teacher, mm -hmm. well, just in general watch them grow up like oh, yeah. that's when puberty hits let's yes. be honest oh i always take a picture on the first and last day of school and it baffles me every year how different they look it's crazy so you started teaching in 2015 when mm -hmm. you got out of college yep so obviously this past year was very difficult for not just middletown teachers but teachers all really all across the world when did you first kind of not necessarily like when did Middletown announce that they were going, or Ohio announced that they were going remote, but when did you kind of get a sense, first of all, what coronavirus was, and then that it was going to be something? Well, you had started reporting on it 
when you were working in Dayton. Yeah, we started, we got like... That was in like December. Late December, we started doing our first stories like with it, um, you know, in China. And then it was all over the news, but we didn't really think anything of it. Um, we had gotten inklings at in our building of um, like there were scares at Miami, which wasn't that far from us. So we just were being extra cautious. But the thing that really kind of and this is funny looking back on it, but at the time it was like, what are you doing? Um, I had a student who came into class one day and it was the week that we shut down. He had a little baggie with him and this kid wasn't your like typical, like when you picture a middle school kid, not, not that he looked like a grown man, but was like still a child inside and we loved him. But, um, he came in with a bag of Clorox wipes and wiped off his desk and his chair before he sat down. And we were like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, my mom told me I need to do this to be careful of the coronavirus. And we were like, ah, whatever. Well, then that Friday, we like found out in the middle of the day that DeWine was going to announce that schools were going to shut down for two weeks, which this was two weeks before our spring break. So we would have been out for three. And then about halfway through that, it was like, we're not going back. What What's that moment like? Because you had not taught electronically or remote up until then. What was that moment like where you're like, we have to basically not just shift our lesson plans, but shift completely the way we teach. Mm -hmm. So we went in that Monday as kind of like a, here's what your expectation is for the end of the year at like in our jobs. And it was stuff like you need to contact students at least this many times per week. You need to be posting an assignment, one assignment per class per week. Because a lot of our kids didn't have internet access, so that made things more challenging. But I think that that, that day, it was kind of like, well, crap, I'm not going to see these kids that I've built these relationships with right. this year. And then the, like, as the rest of the school year went on, the panic of, like, not hearing from certain kids for a while and calling and no one answering. So that was hard. That was really hard emotionally. And then I found out that a few of my students' parents had gotten it. One of them had put, been put on a vent in a different state. And that kid just let his mom emailed me and that kid just like changed drastically. And that just, that was tough. Like, I think I shut down for a couple of days after that because it was like, why are we, there's so many other things going on than the fact that we need to be making sure that kids are doing these assignments. And then it was, well, we're not grading them. So what's the point? Like, it just felt... I don't know. A lot of it felt very meaningless and I felt like I didn't have a purpose for a little while because I wasn't having those interactions with my students. It was just they submit an assignment and I read it. And I think a big part that, you know, as being, you know, your significant other during that time was I think a lot of the the anxiety of that moment also came from the unknown, not yeah. knowing First of all, how you're going to teach, what you're going to teach. You know, we didn't know about state testing at the time, whether mm -hmm. that was going to happen, whether what what was that like? Just not knowing what the next day or the next week would bring in, in that in, in the world of teaching. Because you you would sit there. I remember you would sit in a chair and like think of a lesson plan like because you you would basically use the same lesson plan year after year for you know different yeah. classes. Well, all of a sudden, that just got flipped right upside down. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, you don't know what you're going to do. 
Because you also don't know, because remember, that first order was only two weeks long. Yeah. You, for all you knew, you were going to go back to school on April 1st after your spring break. Well, how did that unknown factor play in? Well, it got to a point of we're not going back. And once that was known, it became a little easier to kind of swallow of like, okay, we just kind of got to push through to the end. And like we would, my team would meet on Zoom once a week. I have a teacher based team. So it's all the seventh grade language arts teachers. We would also meet once a week. So that interaction was still there, and that was nice because then we got to kind of, like, vent to each other and process things together. It also was just, like, you can only meet on Zoom so many times before it's not exciting anymore. And we kind of hit that towards the end of the year of, like, all right, what do we need to talk about today? Nobody's got anything. See you next week. And it just became depressing. But... I think that the big unknowns that sucked were not knowing for a while. Um, I don't think we knew until like mid-July what the next year was going to look like. And that was hard because I know teachers get summers off, but (laughs) we still plan and get things ready for the next school year. Well, no, in last summer, you worked your butt off because you, first of all, you didn't know... I remember you watched the board meeting on your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 had your laptop in front of you and a piece of birthday cake. And you were eating your birthday cake while you're watching the meeting. <laughs> well, because you didn't know what was going to happen. No, and I wanted and, to find out. And you, you felt a certain way about it. But more than that, you just wanted to know. Yeah. So that you can start planning. Because mm-hmm. if you were going to go back virtually, which is ended up what, you know, which is what happened... Yeah. You had to plan for that mm-hmm. because you didn't have those lessons plans no. in a remote format. Right. Talk a, a little bit. ball game when you're not pencil paper in the classroom. Right. And, you know, we, we so we started dating late 2018. So we had mm-hmm. summer 2019, summer 2020, and summer, well, this summer. This summer. <laughs> and this summer is a whole other animal, but that's a whole other thing. But, like, I can see the difference in you between summer 2019 and summer 2020. You worked a lot more last summer preparing for what you didn't even know was going to happen. Right. I do. I'm going to brag a little bit. Not really, but context. My, I have a master's in learning and technology. So like using technology is my forte. I love incorporating it into the classroom, but there's also a point where like it can only go so far before it affects learning. Like some things are better paper pencil. I would rather have kids have a text in front of them, like a copy of it that they can write on and interact with than have it on a computer screen where they're like highlighting things and making comments. I would just rather them do like the kinesthetic they're doing it themselves rather than having a computer do it. And so that was really hard. Because it was like, I still want these aspects to be in these lessons, but they can't be because these kids are at home. And then you, once it all started, like the first two weeks, it was just making sure people were showing up when they should, which was tough because we had a weird schedule that kids had to get used to. We did it. We pushed We made it through. You did. <laughs> it was and, hard, but we did it. And not only... You just brought a great point, which I never thought of was your master's degree in learning technology. You had just earned that, what, a year and a half or so before. 
December 2018. Do you think do you think the experience would have been any different had you not taken those master's courses? Because you had to use obviously you had to use technology a lot more yes. this past year than you ever did in the yes. previous 5 years. So I'm going to get really technical. When you're using technology in the classroom, you don't want to use it just to use it. It needs to have a purpose behind it. So whenever I look at how I'm going to use technology in the classroom, it's I look at my lesson first. What am I trying to teach? And then how am I going to incorporate tech into that? Not, hey, look at this cool new program. How can I use this? Right. Because you want the learning goal to still be met by the end of it. So... That involved, I learned how to use Screencastify, which I could record myself doing the same slideshows that I would do in class, and the kids would have their notes up on a split screen, and they could still do kind of the same stuff, but it's obviously not the same because I can't see what they're doing. <laughs> and I could I didn't know if they were actually doing the work right, or if they were playing in the background and doing nothing and just had Zoom on. That's what the most challenging thing was. My master's helped me with that mindset of looking at the learning goal first. Right. And then figuring out how tech fits into that. Whereas I didn't have that mindset before my master's. I was just like, ooh, we got this new program. Let me use it as much as I can. And that's not that's not the point of integrating technology into the classroom. Well, in a lot of ways, with when it came to the technology aspect, you were a a go-to person for other yeah. teachers. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they would ask you, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, so you really played a big role in helping your team adapt mm -hmm. to the times. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to ask... There are a few of us. It wasn't just me. <laughs> I have to give my teammates credit. They're the other language arts teacher on my team, Emily. She also is a big tech guru. So it was right. the two of us. But... <laughs> it wasn't just me. <laughs> so one thing I do want to ask is you kind of meant you kind of hit on it a little bit was the connection with students. What have you learned about connecting with students, you know, in person in the classroom via, you know, just seeing them on Zoom? Mm -hmm. what, how is that connection different? Well, most of the time I was teaching to black boxes with names in them on Zoom. So I didn't see their faces a lot. And we would try to have... I personally didn't think that we should force them to have them on just because, like, they're in their house. We're sitting in a closet right now recording this. <laughs> and if Zoom was on and they were and this was the one quiet spot in their house, I don't think they would want their classmates to know that, right. hey, I'm sitting in my closet at home. So I made them have them on at the beginning of class. And then we took a break and they had to have them on when we checked back in. But then they could turn them off once I took attendance. Um... But that facial, like, face-to-face -face kind of stuff was just lost. Yeah. And so a lot of the times I would ask a question and there would be a minute wait time and no one would answer. And so then it's like, well, what do I do with this? Whereas in the classroom, in person, I could tell, like, if a kid was having a bad day or if a kid wasn't getting something, like, their face usually showed it or they had some kind of body language that let me know, hey, I need to go check on them. Whereas with Zoom, that's that's lost. Right. So even when we came back hybrid, I didn't feel like I was as close with my students at that point in the year as I would have been if we had been face-to-face -face the whole time. 
So that relational aspect is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as strong. And I didn't feel like I could be myself with them because <laughs> they only knew me as like a face on Zoom. Right. It was funny though when they came back and it was like, you're a lot taller than I thought you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're a lot taller than I saw you on Zoom. <laughs> I think, and this is just an observation from, again, having been your significant other. I think the most challenging time for you though, and a lot of schools face this, not just Middletown Middle School. There were a lot of schools who were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. When you went back in August, there was, you know, we're going to be back in August. We're going to be back... Um, you know, um, like 50% or whatever it was, these students will come on this day, this students will come on that day. Well, and then if there was a positive case, mm-hmm. then your entire school was shut down for, not shut down, but it not was- Not one case, it, but if there were enough- It was remote for two yeah, weeks. Yeah, we went remote for two and weeks. And Middletown Middle, more than other schools, even in the district, Yeah. you know, you guys went back and forth a few times. Oh, yeah. I think like three or four. I think, and that this is my observation, was that was- I think in the past year, that was probably one of the hardest things you mm-hmm. had to do because it, it was just adjustment after adjustment yeah. after adjustment, even more so than when you first went remote because that was, again, that was a lot of unknown. But once you got a hang of it, you got a hang of it. Right. Whereas I think it was like October and then again, December. Mm-hmm. What were those moments like? Oh. Because teachers are best at adjusting. Mm-hmm. But well, that's a lot of adjustment oh, real yeah, quick. Really fast. I will say that I'm thankful that the first couple times it happened, we did have a day where it was like an adjustment day. Right. Where we had a day to figure out, okay, how am I going to change my lessons for the next two weeks? And we were given time to do that. I'm very thankful for that. That's not something that a lot of districts did. But those were also the times that we saw drops in attendance because mm-hmm. the schedule changed so much for the kids like their class schedule that if they weren't checking their email or their schoology messages or the district website they didn't know when to show up for class and it's not like we knew that we were going to be shutting down i think there was one time that we knew it was about to happen and so we told them like take your stuff home make sure that you check your messages whatever but it's not like we could have communicated with them ahead of time. Like, hey, make sure that you're doing this. Even right. though we did all the time. They, they're they just middle schoolers and they they don't have that skill of, oh, I need to check my email uh-huh. every day like adults do. So that was the most challenging thing is kids didn't show up. Then you had to go back and reteach stuff because they weren't there. Like, I think at one point I had pretty small classes this year, but... There was one day that like four kids showed up for class and it was like, well, I like I can't teach a full lesson because I'm just going to have to redo it again anyways. So that was the most frustrating thing about the back and forth. We didn't even get through like in the whole school year. We got through all of our curriculum, but it was really rushed. We weren't able to spend as much time on certain things as we wanted to or should have. What is the biggest thing that you learned in the past year? from COVID and teaching remote. I could tell you, you ain't gonna have any more snow days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but They'll what, turn into remote days, exactly. probably. <laughs> Work from home days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, what's like the biggest thing that you took away from this past year? Well, I learned that it's possible that we don't have to have state testing 
<laughs> but that's a whole other conversation that I don't want to get on my soapbox about. But, like, in teaching in general, I think I learned a lot about patience, which obviously as a middle school teacher, you have to have a lot of patience anyways. But in the sense of, like, kids have a lot of stuff going on at home. Like, someone unmute themselves and you just hear screaming in the background. And their home environments aren't the greatest. And so I will say that that I did get to see a little more of that aspect than normal because kids don't really open up about that a lot unless we do like a writing assignment about it. But giving that grace of like, hey, I know that this year sucks and we're all going through something hard. So if you turn that assignment in a couple days late, I'm not going to penalize you for it. Some would say that I probably shouldn't do that kind of stuff, but... Considering the circumstances, I think it was necessary. And then also, like, the importance of that relational aspect really showed up, which is something that I love doing. Like, that's a big part of teaching, and that's something that I wanted to... That's, like, a big goal of mine in teaching is to build those relationships with students. But it just showed how much more important it is this year because it wasn't there. No matter how hard I tried, <laughs> like even in a like breakout room one on one with a kid, like I'd try to joke with them and stuff and they just would not respond, which I think it was just like effects of COVID in general. But I really learned more about the importance of that relational aspect with students. To move on to the next um, item of business. Uh, Is there an agenda to this? No, not really. <laughs> it was funny because right, right before this, you were watching the school board meeting and you were looking at agendas and stuff, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> but so we are getting married in a few days. So not only did you have to teach in a pandemic, you had to, we had to, mainly you, I helped a little bit here and there, <laughs> um, plan a wedding in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because the planning is pretty much done. Now it's right. just like details part. But what was... Well, the details are pretty much done. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. got to take them all there and now show we, up. <laughs> yeah. My job is to basically show up at this point. Get my suit and then show up. Yes. Um, but what was that like? Because there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of balls in the air not mm-hmm. knowing, you know, are we going to have to require masks? Are yeah. we going to have the seating capacity? Like what was, right. what was playing a wedding and pandemic like? I mean, obviously, I've never planned a wedding before, but I've been in a lot, so I've, like, walked with friends through it, but, I mean, we got engaged in January. We weren't going to be getting married until July. In January, talk of vaccines was hot. Had they come out yet? I don't remember. They had just come out. They we didn't come out. But we didn't know at the what rate they were right. going to be distributed. Right. So... Because for us, our age group, they were talking about not even getting us the vaccine until, like, June. Yeah. I mean, our venue had COVID policies in place to where if we got COVID or if something happened that we couldn't have our wedding on our date, they would just push it back, which was nice. And we wouldn't get, like, penalized because, obviously, it's something out of our control. I am very thankful that that's a thing. That people showed a lot of grace because all of this is out of everybody's control. It's not like... You can, there are people who did all the precautions and still got COVID. Like, yeah. So that was one big thing. But I always had the hope of we're all going to be vaccinated by that point and we're not going to be wearing masks. That was my big hope. When we started planning, 
we were going to have to wear masks. Yeah. Which I did not like. I mean, even on our, <laughs> even on our invitations, they yeah. said the venue may require masks yes. depending on local guidance. Yeah. Well, now, I think it said though subject to change because I wrote it because yeah. so, well, some along the, that language. <laughs> though subject to change at this time, our venue does require that you wear a mask. But then it was like it was like a week later. Yeah. And like Dwine right after we sent and them out. announced <laughs> that it was going bye bye. That was like a week later. It was right after. Yeah. Because, well, we had ordered them, like, a month before that, but... But the venue could have still required them. Yes, they And could we have. could have still required them for our guests. Yes. But we just, just decided not but to. But we decided not to because a lot of our guests are vaccinated and healthy. So I'm thankful that we don't have to wear masks. Obviously, I was a big mask. I was pro-mask during the pandemic, but it's my wedding day. I didn't want to have to wear a mask. <laughs> oh, no, and you shouldn't. And, you know, we... Or we had a lot of friends who got married last summer, like mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah. And obviously we've gone to a lot of weddings this year too. Oh my word, yes. So we've, <laughs> we've gone to, um, you know, I didn't go to every wedding, but between the two of us, we've gone, we went, gone to anywhere from eight to 10 weddings in last year. I think six to eight. Six to eight, somewhere in there, six to 10 or mm-hmm. whatever. Did it, did it help to go to those weddings at different times during the pandemic because we had friends who got married in the summer Mm -hmm. then we got we had a friend who got married in march Mm -hmm. and then more recently so we kind of saw the progression we kind of seeing the progression of the pandemic through those weddings Mm -hmm. did you feel as though you kind of got a better idea as time went on what our wedding was going to look like you mean in like covid precautions right yeah yeah I definitely became less and less anxious. I almost said more and more. I definitely became less and less anxious the more weddings that we went to. Yeah. As time went on. Not the amount of weddings, but like in the timeline of like going to the ones last fall were sort of different from the one we went to last weekend. Like a lot of stuff was outside at those ones. People were more spread out. Whereas the last one we were at was inside. Well, and the one in March we went to was that was inside, mm-hmm. but you still had to wear a mask. Yeah, and I, you know, there were some things that people wouldn't think of, like the buff. There was a buffet, but yeah. they were Everything individually, was individually packaged, packaged. <laughs> um, which I thought was really cool, actually. And uh, you know, our our at ours is going to be plated yeah. because we didn't want to do a buffet because we didn't know what that was going to look right. like. I mean, I wanted to do a plated COVID or no COVID, so <laughs> I was going to do a buffet depending <laughs> on what the food was going to be. We decided to go with plated because the steak is going to be amazing. It is amazing. That's what I'm looking forward to the most <clears throat> about our wedding day. <laughs> oh, not not our vows, but the steak. I'm kidding. For me, it's the. Um, the entrance of the bridal party because oh you mean at the reception at the reception yes because the song that people are gonna walk into will be space jam because space jam 2 comes out on hbo max and in theaters on our wedding wedding day so that's what i'm excited about (sighs) how you do you feel stressed at all yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing to do yet you're still stressed yes Well, because I still have to pack. Yeah. I mean, I'm staying down there the night before, so I have to get everything packed for, like, that night and the next day. And then we leave for our honeymoon the day after, so I have to have all that stuff packed. Someone asked me today, they were like, how are you feeling? I'm like, 
I'm a little nervous. I'm a little stressed. They're like, what do you have left to do? And I said, nothing. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, then why are you nervous or stressed? I'm like, because I'm the one that like come Thursday night, I'm because I'm staying downtown as well. I'm going to be like, I forgot that. Like I'm gonna. I forgot uh, my toothpaste. Ex- exactly, <laughs> I forgot stuff. So that's what I'm most nervous yeah. about. Yeah, because Wednesday, today's Monday, right? E- yeah. Because yes. Bachelorette's on and we're not watching it. <laughs> um, Wednesday, we're taking all of our decor down to the venue. So I think after that, I'll feel a lot better. <laughs> right. But right now, I'm just kind of like, ah. <laughs> For me, it's my suit. Yes. <laughs> Come on, men's warehouse. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. We I'm gonna have a special segment. We're gonna we're gonna not do the mailbag because the only question. Well, I, I guess we did get one question from Laura. Yes. Joe submitted a question too, but we kind of answered it already. It was basically talking about the wedding and what we're most excited about. So we'll be back with I have something special for Heather. Plus oh. we have a mailbag question to answer. So we will be right back after this awesome lovely relaxing music Welcome back to the Clayton Castle Podcast. I'm still here with my very special guest, Heather, soon to be Castle. Are you excited to have the last name Castle? I mean, that's such... I'm not to toot my own family name, but that's such a kick-ass last name. It is name. a cool name. And it's a cool English teacher name, too. Mrs. Castle? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's balling right there. <laughs> so... Um, so we'll actually start with the mailbag segment, uh, which is just one question. Uh, Laura asked us mm-hmm. um, about our top four from The Bachelorette. So I will let you take this one. You first. go first, because I'm terrible with their names and I need to look up the Well, cast. I posted them the other day, so I'm going to look mine up too. I think one was Trey. I definitely wanted Trey. Uh, the other one was... Um, Oh, what's the guy that just came back? Blake. Blake. Greg, Blake, Trey, and Andrew are mine. Which Andrew? Uh, the Andrew. I don't know. The soccer player Andrew, who lives in Austria, who talked with a British accent. What's the other one? I don't remember, but there's two Andrews. Well, one of the Andrews. I forgot which one. Andrew M. is the attorney. I don't remember. Is it this Andrew? Yes, that yeah, Andrew. So the British Andrew. Yes, the British Andrew. But he's Andrew. not actually British. He's not. It's, it's, <laughs> his accent goes in and out the entire show. Because well, he does it as like a funny thing. Right. So those are I my... also like Andrew. You really like Greg, too. No, I like Connor. Oh, Connor. Because Connor's a math teacher, and I always root for the teacher, because they had to give up a lot. <laughs> Who's the guy that always makes the faces? Oh, um... Justin. Justin. Yeah. I like him solely for the faces that he makes. <laughs> Not to be with Katie. Um, 
As much as I hate to admit it, I do kind of like Greg. Um, I think he's a little overhyped. Greg is just so dreamy. I'm glad that Carl is gone. And Michael. Michael, yeah. I that's, really like Michael. Just... So, so those. those are my four. Okay. So, I hope that answers your question, Laura. Thank you for listening. But I also like Trey. But you also like pick Trey. four. I love Trey. This tra- is lo- a good group of guys. It is. And there's no... And she keeps getting rid of the bad ones, like, very right. quickly. Well if, you, cause, well, if you remember, that's because she is the one that got Victoria out. Yeah. She's the one who went to um, Matt yes. last year and said, you need to watch out for Victoria and MJ. Yeah. And what does he do? He goes out and kicks them out. Yep. So... She is very... She, she no nonsense, and she, I appreciate that about her because she doesn't let her feelings for certain guys get in the way of whether she should keep them or not. Oh, and the the way she said bye to that one guy a couple oh, weeks ago. Yes. Um, I forgot his name. Um, but he was like the vi- wasn't it Carl? I don't think no, it wasn't Carl. I don't think. No, it was um. You are selfish. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was just funny. But anyway. So that's it for the mailbag. I have a very special um thing I want to do. Oh. So when we were first started wedding planning, the question came up as to whether we were gonna write our own vows. Oh no. <laughs> and you said no, you did not want to do that. Do you remember why? Because you would show me up. Because yeah, <laughs> you thought I would show you up. And I really wanted to write... I really wanted to write our own vows. No. So, <laughs> since you won't let me do it in the ceremony, I wrote my vows. No. Yep. I didn't write any. <laughs> well, no. Because this is supposed to be a surprise. Ah! <laughs> Are you ready? No. <laughs> well, too bad. So... I tell you what, this bachelorette group me though is going nuts on my phone. Because <laughs> we're not watching it I right for, now. I forgot to silence it. <laughs> but anyway, so here we go. These are my written vows to my soon-to-be wife, Heather Castle. My dearest Heather, in case you didn't know it already, I love you. You are my everything, and I am unworthy of standing here today. You are a beautiful person, both on the inside and out. And because of the love we share, I vow these to you. I vow to only watch two episodes max of The Golden Girls before going to sleep every night. (laughs) I vow to sweep the basement every time I have chips and queso after watching the Bengals game. Unless they're playing primetime, then that's when I cry in the queso. I vow not to slam on the imaginary brakes when I let you drive and you stop way too close to the car in front of you. (laughs) I vow not to embarrass you in public by licking the little condiment cups when I am done with my fries, but still have a little ketchup left. I vow not to judge you when you go into Target without needing to buy anything, yet still leave with a full cart of items. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That today. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, seriousness, I vow to love you with every breath I take until I can no longer breathe. I vow to take care of you when you are sick and rejoice with you when you are happy. I vow to I vow to celebrate your triumphs, no matter how big or how small. 
I vow to work every day to become a better husband to you and hopefully one day a better father to our kids. But most importantly, I vow to love you the way Christ loved the church and to keep the fire under our Christ-centered marriage until death do us part. I love you so much, Heather, forever and always. This isn't fair. You blindsided me and now I'm crying. <laughs> Why are you crying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I love this you. This is why I didn't want you to write your own. Because I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you want me to cry when you walk down the aisle? Yeah. <laughs> you won't be wearing makeup. <laughs> you don't know that. You're not going to be wearing I'm not makeup. Going to makeup. I guess I'll clip my nails, though. Yeah, you probably should do that. Yeah, and maybe shave, or at least trim. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's it. I love you. I love you too, Panda. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so hold on. There's got to unpack that. So we, she, I'm gonna, I'm throwing you under the bus here. You created these nicknames for us. That I was your panda, and you are my sloth. Because you came up with sloth. Because you, the way you, I just cu- the way I cuddle you, I just like. Hook on I to said, you. man, you, you. I think I said one time, man, you, you're hooked on to me like a sloth. And it just stuck. And so we say, I love you, panda, and I love you, sloth. It didn't start out as panda though, but I won't get into that because you don't like it. What was it? I forgot. Squishy panda. Oh yeah, I hated that so much. <laughs> I hated. It. Thank you for not for not doing that. I forgot about that. So you can edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll leave it in. All right. I love you. Love you too. And we will be right back. No, we won't be. This is the last no. segment. Yeah. Oh, I do want to tease the next episode though. The next episode, which is being released on the same day, so it should just automatically play after this episode ends. But I interview my favorite teacher from Walnut Hills High School. He taught ethnic studies and we talk about race and racism and whether critical race theory and race issues should be taught in schools. It's a really great conversation with Mr. Joe Yoshimura. That is the next episode. That is also the end of season one after that. (laughs) And so um, again, I want to end by saying thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who has hit follow, subscribe, all those buttons. Um, to make sure that you get the latest episodes. And I will see you in just a matter of seconds because the next episode should just play right after. So I will talk to you all later.